And now it's time for a funny little sermon. <laughs> I'll never get over that. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, I'm so thankful that Paul wrote letters. I pray your Holy Spirit will use his words to encourage and to make us encouragers for Jesus' sake. Amen. Somewhere I found the following quiz. Name the 10 wealthiest people in the world. Name the last 10 Heisman Trophy winners. Name the last 10 winners of the Miss America contests. How about the last 10 Academy Award winners for the best picture? Or the last decade's worth of World Series winners? How did you do? You know how quickly we forget. These are the best, but the applause dies, the awards tarnish, and the achievements are forgotten. But here's another quiz. Think of three people that you enjoy spending time with. Name five who have taught you something worthwhile. Name five friends who have brought you through a difficult time. Name a few coaches or teachers that encouraged your journey through the school years. Easier? It's interesting when we ask uh, people in small groups, who are the people who influenced you most? It's usually those unsung heroes who loved and encouraged us through the maze of life's adventures. Would you like to be a person that others would put on their list as a person who made a difference in their lives? I can't think of a higher honor. There's a story in the Bible about how the Apostle Paul made a huge difference in the life of a runaway slave named Onesimus. Onesimus had run away from his master Philemon and somehow he ended up in a relationship with Paul. We don't know all the details, but we do know he became a Christian. And now Paul writes to Philemon asking him to forgive and restore this former slave, not as a slave, but as a brother. That's revolutionary. I want us to allow this story to challenge us to understand the power of Jesus Christ to make us encouragers of people. Because this year's theme from the pulpit is embracing and expressing the unconditional love of God. And today's has to do with expressing that love. First, how we label persons can dramatically impact who they become. Paul writes, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. New labels, son instead of fugitive slave. You see, Philemon had labeled Onesimus as a useless slave. And this fugitive met an encourager and he got a new name, my son. We'll probably never know the details, but we do know Onesimus became believers, a believer, and later a tradition tells us he became a leader of a church. We do know he grew so close to Paul that he was like a son. Note the label Paul gives Onesimus again, not runaway slave, but my son. Can you think of the impact upon that guy who was frightened? If he had been caught, he could have been killed. He was a nobody. And he meets another guy and who loves him so much, he doesn't just take him under his wing, he calls him my son. You see, that's, 
That's the love of Jesus in action. But Paul had a history of taking people into his very heart. Expressed when he wrote to his friends in the Corinthian church. In Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. And therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And for this reason, I'm sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful to the Lord. Timothy was half Gentile. He wasn't related biologically to Paul. Neither were all the other friends of Paul. But somehow, Paul was just so transparent with the love of Jesus that wherever he went, he was, wasn't just a pastor. The people in those churches felt like he was their dad, family. And that's exactly the impact that the love of Jesus has upon a group of people. Beyond nuclear family, the church of Jesus Christ is the most powerful family in the world. It always has been. That's one of the secrets for our growth. Let me ask you, can you think of individuals that God has providentially placed in your life? Persons who today need your encouragement in order to discover who they are, in order to find their potential, in order to see themselves as God sees them. You know, these people might right now be kind of a nuisance. Persons you, you halfway wish would just go away, asking God, why are they there? And maybe you came to church today to find out why they're there. Paul called Onesimus, my son, a, a, a label that was an act of encouragement that enabled him to no longer act like a fugitive slave, but as a son of Paul, and later be, become literally a model of Paul leading a church like Paul did. All because one guy took time to love him, care for him, and give him the love of Christ. It is a fact. People become what we envision them to be. And I wonder if we really understand the depth of the power of that statement. Think of Tiger Woods. If you've heard his story, he attributes his success to his dad, who coached and encouraged him from his very earliest years, before he could hardly hold a golf club. And he gave him the vision. He said, Tiger, one day you're going to be a world-class golfer. And that was just ingrained in his inner sanctum. And he became exactly what his dad labeled him. Richard Williams, father of Serena and Venus Williams, was the driving force that led his daughters to both become world champions in tennis. Would these people have achieved it without their dads? Maybe, but I doubt it. Somebody played the role. What's interesting is that those who've been encouraged also become encouragers of others. And you almost always find a tiger or the Williams sisters that they're also very busy encouraging others to take up the game, to do what they've done because they know the impact of being encouraged. But keep in mind, it's equally true. People can be imprisoned, stunted, and destroyed by negative labels we pin on them. It's an awesome responsibility when you think about it that we as followers of Jesus are called to encourage persons that God has placed on our doorstep to perhaps remove the label that either their parents or society put on them and give them a new label treasured by their heavenly father and loved by us because of Jesus. And we help them discover the vision of what God intended them to be many times, even after all the brokenness and detours of this life have showered upon them. In fact, Think about it. How many times have you been energized to confront a huge challenge? To stand tall when you were tempted to run away. All because one person came alongside and encouraged you, believed in you, mentored you. Just this very week, there's been moments 
Oh, specifically, last night it was raining. I wondered, is anybody going to come to church? It's, it's, the five o'clock service is always dead. And, you know, that's no reflection on them. But, you know, I really thought it was going to be a total washout. And I'm sitting in my office waiting for the prayer people who usually come to pray with me. They're not going to come. My office is a mess right now anyway, and it's raining. Everybody came and prayed. And from that time on, it was like we were shot out of a gun. God took over. And I thought, this is how it happens, that we get encouraged through people. How did Jesus love me yesterday? Through people. Somebody who took the time to come and pray with one scared preacher. I love it. You know, um, there's a film entitled Music from the Heart. If you haven't seen it, rent it. It's a true story about a woman in East Harlem who committed her life to teaching young ghetto children to play the violin. Against insurmountable odds, in that environment, she persevered. And she went to parents first because none of the parents even dreamed that their kids could learn to play the violin. They were trying to survive. And then she sold the vision to the kids. You could learn to play an instrument. The fruit of her efforts reached their zenith when her students performed in Carnegie Hall. Seeing potential in these children, her per perseverance paid off. And you know what? She's still teaching in that district in Harlem today. Oh, I wish we had a thousand, a million like her. You pe people are impacted by the label we give them. I'll tell you a personal story. When I was in seventh grade, in my era, you go to a counselor and in seventh grade, you are, are allowed to either take a foreign language because you're college material or you can't take one. So I went to the counselor and she looked at my record and uh, she said, forget it. And so I didn't take a foreign language. I don't think I'd ever made over a C minus. In eighth grade, I had an English teacher named Mr. Rigby. And he said, Gerber, you're just messing around. You have lots of potential, but you like to play rather than work. And he was dead right. But he said, I, I believe in you. I think you can do something with your life. I think you ought to go to college. From that one teacher, Mr. Rigby, my life was completely turned around. I don't even remember the name of the counselor who made me feel like a dummy. She was probably right at the time because that was my label. I didn't have parents who went to college, so I had nothing to stimulate me to think about college. But one teacher said, Gerber, I see something in you. And he'll never know that I went to college probably because one teacher gave me a new label. Think of the impact we can have if we take our, our time for one individual, one at a time, and let them know who they are in the eyes of God. That's love. You know, Jesus came here to tell us every person is extremely valuable. You're worth so much, Jesus died for you. People need to hear that. The root of encouragement means to give heart. The New Testament's filled with accounts of people who were changed by encountering the encouraging love of Jesus. If you were here a few weeks ago, you heard me talk about Peter. We re remember him as the disciple who denied Jesus. That's his label. Viewed from one perspective, he was a loser. He was impulsive, unpredictable, a coward. But Jesus viewed him differently. He saw him as a disciple brave enough to come to the trial while the other disciples didn't have the guts to get there. Secondly, he was the one who drew his sword to protect Jesus in the garden. It was Peter who had the courage to return to the disciples and face the music of ridicule and judgment after he was the only one who denied his Lord publicly. And you know, this was the same encouraging love that worked in the heart of Paul when he gave Onesimus a new name, my son. Jesus commissions us 
who take the name disciple of Jesus to look beyond the labels that parents and society has put upon persons focusing on their weaknesses and their warts and their sins and to help them see themselves as God sees them and intends them to become because they have nobody else to tell them. We all need to be Mr. Rigby's because people do tend to become the label we give them. And that's one of the most practical, beautiful ways to express the love of Jesus. A second truth. Our power to encourage others happens as Jesus reproduces his heart in us. Paul said, I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. We need to be clear. None of us are gifted enough to really transform another life by giving them a new label. The unique thing about a Christian is that we claim the love of Jesus is in residence in us. It's his power. It's his love coming through us that enables us to see people and to help them find a new name. What enabled Paul to see Onesimus as a son rather than a slave in that environment? The love of Jesus. You see, that love previously had changed Saul, the persecutor of the church, into Paul the apostle. Jesus had already changed his name. He knew what it was all about, and that's why he was enabled to do it for someone else. That same love is changing us who gather here today from what we were to what we're becoming, because we're all people in process. It is this love that empowers us then to stop labeling each other, to kind of limit who's welcome here and who isn't, and to put our arms around all people in affirming, encouraging love without adding any ju judgments because no one is excluded from Christ's love. No one is beyond the potential of what Jesus sees them to be. And it's our job to let people know that. You see, it's the love of Jesus that drives us to get involved with people and to give them the most precious commodity in Silicon Valley, our time and whatever resources they need to find their potential. I was just telling Christy here, she's been really close to somebody I love a lot, doing something for that person that I could never do. And all she's done is given time and encouragement. And I, I just think of how that needs to be repeated a thousand times in our church. You see, love is not a cerebral thing. It's not something we think about. God's love is always something we do. God loved the world so much he didn't think about it. He sent Jesus to die for us. When I read about the love among early Christians, I covet the bonds that held those people together. Listen to that familiar description in the book of Acts. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions were his own. There was no needy persons among them. Much grace was upon them all. This is love in action. Imagine a church where there's no needy people emotionally or whatever, that we really were family. Like the Bostics told us, I, I thought that was such a beautiful story when they're going through the very depths that they had, the love of Jesus came through people. That's how it always is. That's why we gather together. That's why Christianity isn't a solo thing. It's when we reach out to Russia. We have people in Kiev today ministering to addicts, doing dental work, doing these things. We saw pictures of them at our staff meeting. Or children at risk. Why do we care? Because not very many other people care about children at risk. But when we put our love into action, that gives Jesus Christ glory. People take notice, not of a church with its buildings and its creeds, but they sure take notice when we lay down our lives and time for people nobody else cares about. You see, our culture has labels for people, boomer, Gen X, retired, blue collar, minority, single, divorced, loser, winner, 
sexist, racist, conservative, liberal, and in this election time, boy, we're hearing them all, aren't we? And you know what Jesus calls people? Children of God, beloved of God, persons with potential beyond their wildest dreams. He never labeled people, but he did tend to hang out with those in our culture would consider nobodies. He didn't call them losers, he called them lost. And he presented himself as a shepherd who came back to rescue those lambs one at a time who had been fallen and broken and beaten and dirtied by life and he wanted to bring them home. If Jesus had a bias, it was toward little people. He didn't feel comfortable with the upper crust and he had a strange attraction to the unattractive. And you know, that kind of love speaks mountains in our society that values usually all the surface wrong things about people. I want to close with just a couple steps you might take if this has rung some bells inside of you of how you might want to now relate to that Onesimus that you already have identified in this service. Monitor our words. You know, we can form new habits of being encouragers, optimists, affirmers, and dispensers of kindness to replace our habit of being so critical and negative and labelers. All of us know people who have something always positive to say. And to be around them is a joy. And we also know those persons who can only see negative stuff, who offer no hope. Usually when I see them, I want to run, and so do you. Then secondly, look for your Onesimus. It might be the very one you're running away from. Take first steps toward identifying and meeting the needs of that person God has placed in your life. And you might be a Mr. Rigby because you could say somebody else could do it, but maybe God's plan for you to do it. Begin with those closest to you, somewhere in the family or friends or neighborhood or perhaps right here in this church. Be prepared to spend time. That's the most valuable commodity we have in Silicon Valley. It gives great credibility to your love. Paul became the father of Onesimus because they spent time together. To care for a person takes time, sacrifice, negotiation, and patience. It doesn't happen fast. You don't become a son from a fugitive slave in one conversation. That kind of caring, though, gives witness to a skeptical, self-absorbed world that this is what believers mean when we say the love of Jesus is in residence in our hearts. And then finally, and most important, commit yourself to pray for your Onesimus. Pray that person you're encouraging uh, will find God's vision for what they can become. And, and ask God for the wisdom, how to give you the words and the, and the right behavior to be all you need to be for that person. And then join me in a broader prayer. Pray that God will make our church family a place where negative labels just don't happen. Where because of dress, culture, lifestyle, or whatever, we sort of feel these people fit and these don't. Let's get beyond that and make this a place of encouragement and hope and welcome to anyone who walks through these doors. And in terms of how Jesus would view it, the more broken and the dirtier, the better, because they're the ones who need a savior and they need arms around them to say, you're welcome here. We aren't a church of saints. We're a hospital for sinners and we're all in the process of getting better. Maybe Paul said it all when he wrote, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Jesus Christ. I pray that's what we're becoming here, that we're gonna have a depth of experience of Christ's love that will be revolutionary in your life and mine. And then we'll take it out to a world and a culture that is so in need of encouragement. God bless us as we seek our Onesimus. Would you bow in prayer with me?
Lord Jesus, thank you for Paul writing a letter. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that has a way of using scripture and individualizing it for our lives. Help us to take what we hear and do something about it. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen.